The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Jaws, where we will discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this awesome, awesome summer movie. And joining me today on the panel are Thomas Salerno. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. And Mike Dens. Hi, Mike. Hi, very excited about this one. Uh, I can tell, Mike. Uh, you can't see it. Sometimes I wish we did these as video as well. But Mike has got his Jaws t-shirt and his his uh, Zoom background is of Bruce coming, <laughs> Bruce coming out of the water at Brody. Uh, Brody's so, uh, defending me. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, before we get into things, I want to just let folks know you can follow the secrets of movies and TV shows in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere you can get podcasts from, including your favorite podcast app or on YouTube, where you should hit the bell to get notifications. And I want to tell you about another show on the network you're sure to enjoy called Let's Science. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash science. Okay, we are talking about this 1975, which just is amazing that it's so long ago, 1975 film by Steven Spielberg based on the 1974 novel by Peter Benchley. you all know what it's about, but I'll tell you anyway. I'll give you a, a little recap. Uh, in the fictional resort town, New England resort town of Amity, uh, which in, in an undefined uh, state of of uh, New England, but probably Massachusetts, uh, maybe Connecticut, uh, you have the new sheriff in town, the new police chief, Martin Brody, who recently of New York City, is... Uh, just arrived as the summer season begins when a shark attack takes the life of a young woman uh, and then starts mauling other bathers. The town fathers are afraid that the shark will scare people away from the summer tourist season. Meanwhile, uh, Brody's just afraid that people are going to be eaten up by the giant shark. Uh, And then we get uh, a, the Hooper shows up, who is a marine biologist from the from the big city, as well as Quint, the crusty old New England fisherman who uh, offers to kill the shark for a fee. And uh, this hijinks ensue. So, um, yeah, you, you, you've what more you, do you need than that? I yeah, mean, yeah. You've got everything. Yeah. Everything right there. If you listen to this podcast, you've seen the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, go see the movie. Uh, this is one of the great films. In fact, the National Film Registry, it's on the National Film Registry, selected by the Library of Congress as culturally, historically or aesthetically significant. Uh, so it, it is. It's, a been fantastic. Out, it's been out almost 50 years. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. The spoiler uh, uh, warnings do not apply anymore. Um, so the screenplay was also partially, partly written by Peter Benchley. So he was heavily involved. There were three sequels, none of which involved Spielberg or Benchley. And frankly, they're not really sequels in the strict sense. <laughs> no, I have a soft spot for 3D, though. I have heard I've heard that. Uh, in fact, I've seen Jaws 3D, but not in 3D, uh, and which yeah, makes same. it even more ridiculous when you see it, because it's terrible <laughs> <Yes>. 3D. <laughs> uh, and, Jaws 2 was was not bad. I mean, Jaws 2 was is interesting. Was, After that, they just really go downhill. Yeah. Was Shider in 2? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he Schneider and his wife, um, basically Quint obviously died. Spoiler. And um, <laughs> yeah. and they, he tried to reach um, Hooper, but he was like busy. So they like far away. They made it like he, he couldn't come and help this time. Right. 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 So uh, let's so let's talk about some of the things about around the movie and then we'll get into the movie itself. Uh, let's talk about perhaps the most influential part of this movie, let's say. The soundtrack, John Williams' soundtrack, which is brilliant. And there's a story behind it that Williams brought in Spielberg to play for him the tune. Right. The, those yeah. two notes. Right. Every everyone hears that, you know exactly what you're hearing. It is now become shorthand for impending doom. <laughs> you know, you can't hear that without thinking that. And so he, he brings in Spielberg. 
and Spielberg laughs. He's like, this is a joke, right? You're like, this is your, this is your soundtrack, but it's, it is a brilliant thing. And so I, ha- I saw someone writing about it. The two note melody played on the tuba rather than the French horn, which would have been more common. Uh, creates an association between it creates an association between the theme and the shark, which is then exploited at the end when the shark appears suddenly out of the water without the music. Like throughout the the the, uh, the movie, you always hear this when the shark is coming. Right. Until you don't. Until you don't, and then it appears. And so you, I, I never noticed that, but that is a huge jump scare. When he does that, when he when he yeah when Bruce the shark comes out of the water, it's it's really interesting because the, if you hear the music, the shark is is there. Yes, uh, but but it doesn't mean that you'll always hear the music if the shark is there, right? Because he does it a couple of times. There's the the uh, the Kittner boy, and then there's the the chum in the water uh, jump scare. Yes, uh, with yeah, uh, yeah you try come and, and chumming some of this stuff, <laughs> and oh, and then you get the him coming out. Um, the angry chumming, the, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the the brilliance of it is the uh, it's the movement of the shark. It's right. doing it. He's he's out there, and then it goes faster, and he's getting closer. So I mean, he you just it's it's awesome. I was uh, driving a, a boat for water skiing uh, one time, and it was uh, my brother had this boat that was at the time pretty cool. It had a tape deck. <laughs> and I put in Jaws. And so the water skiers are out there like, you know, like waiting. And I start pl- and I'm circling around. Oh, OK, you fell. Let's go. And I start playing the Jaws theme. It really scares people if yes. they're in water, yeah. that's especially over their head. And it's a freshwater lake. Uh, <laughs> but the Jaws theme is just like, turn. oh, my gosh, turn that off. Well, let's talk yeah. a little bit about the cultural impact of this, of the music and of the movie, because. I, I, when I was a kid, like my parents didn't let me watch this as a kid, but I knew about it. And I'd seen like the, the, the uh, TV edited version of it where they cut out the worst of the gross stuff. Um, yeah. And there's a few gross bits in there, you know, the mid seventies, gross, gross out stuff. Um, but I remember as a kid, like swimming in a pool, like we have a, a local like Votech school that did uh, had an in- indoor pool and they did uh, swimming lessons for kids. And I hated swimming in the deep end. I could see all the way to the bottom. I still hated it. There was my sister used to own a, a, a saltwater boat that we take out into the ocean. And there was one time she wanted to scrub like barnacles and seaweed off the side. So we go into water that's 80 feet deep and she jumps overboard with a life vest on to scrub it. And I'm like, I, I, no, I'm not doing that. Anything could be under there. You know, it, it's like it, it just creates this. It created like a, a generation of us scared of deep water because of this movie it's fantastic and this uh, this music i mean I, I, I gotta play it again you know it's like it's and it's slow a gap and then it starts getting faster you know and we don't see the shark we just hear it and we see from its point of view and we see the people oh and then this yes yeah impending the, doom the, the, uh, what are the cellos probably um, yeah then the horns come. yeah everything the uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 amazing and also i mean how spielberg and I, I stumbled upon the whole don't show him right away because bruce wasn't working right uh, but but the music made up for that you, you it was better not yeah. to see the shark or maybe just yeah. the, whatever because the music was you know the the fear of deep water, and I looked it up. It's thalassopia, uh-huh. which I think started around 1975. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> yes. You know, I I have it. I don't care. I'm not going scuba diving and nothing. Yep. Um, that uh, is is because you can't see it. You don't know yeah. what's down there. That's the whole. If, if it was all perfectly clear, if you're in the Caribbean, you're like, oh, yeah. goldfish. Okay, I, you know. But it's the it's the the lack of not being able to see it that makes it scary. And then you add the music to, well, there is something right. really big down there with teeth. It's the same fear we have sitting around a campfire with our back to the dark, right? Yeah. It's right. that fear of the, of the unknown and of the unseen. And it, this movie really capitalized on it. And that's what, like you mentioned that really good point that Spielberg, because, because the, the uh, Bruce, the, um, the mechanical shark wasn't working early on in filming. 
they had to film without it. And that created this. Everybody does this now. Nobody shows the monster up front. Nobody shows it right off the bat. You get its effects. You hear its movements. You see from its point of view. And then Spielberg goes back and does this again in like Jurassic Park and other movies like that, uh, which Jurassic Park is really just Jaws on land, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another great Spielberg novel adaptation. Yeah. By the way. Yes, definitely. And Benchley, I got to give Benchley some credit. He had some pretty interesting sea uh, nautical related um, you know, modern nautical related novels back in the 70s that were pretty good. There were others uh, that were um, related to the uh, to the sea. None quite like Jaws, which just it hit a moment and it just everybody, everybody loved it. It was this fantastic uh, film that just captured the imagination uh, because of well, part of it is the pacing. There are no down like there are slower moments. But there's no moments where you're dragging, where you're waiting, where you're kind of like, oh, can, you know, get 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 to the next thing. There's nothing. The pacing in this is perfect. It's not frenetic. It's not, uh, you know, oh, I'm breathless because you won't stop. But it's just perfectly paced. And and it it brings you right along through the story. There's that that the story has that 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 through line that brings you along uh, that I really love. I mean, that's as, what do you guys think is what makes this movie? So such a big made it such a big hit then and continues to this day to be, make it so big. I think you hit on it on um, part of it just now, Dom, where you're talking about the pacing. This is a super suspenseful movie. Like there's never a moment, like you said, when you're bored, where you're wishing things would pick up, you're fully invested because like in a lot of other in a lot of earlier creature features, the characters were kind of cardboard, right? They're just there right. for the monster to dispose of and to rack up a body count. Whereas the characters in this Brody, his family, Hooper, Quint, they're real meaty characters. You care yes. what happens to meaty. Them. Yeah. Me yes. <laughs> Un unintentional. Uh, Bruce uh, agrees. There. Bruce <laughs> agrees. Yeah. But they, 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 these are human beings that you care about. So there's not just the drama of, oh, there's there's an, an animal, a monster that's killing people. It's the drama of how is this impacting the characters lives and the 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 world of of this little town which is falling to pieces because of this th these uh, deadly shark encounters right it, there, there, besides the the pacing it's it's amazing obviously how brilliant Spielberg is he's twenty eight twenty nine years old it kills me when he's is making he this really movie. yeah he really is <laughs> and and he is you know so and he's in charge of of all of this and the studios and everything. But just I, I, whenever you have a movie, it's always the little thing. There's so many things that have to come together. So Dom mentions the pacing. Spielberg readily admits the movie wouldn't have been half as successful without the music. So you had mm -hmm. that. You had things like holding the camera at water level. So you, and it kind of sank. It, you know, it was like right there. So it was a little bit above the water uh, or mostly above the water, a little bit underneath. You know, so they gave the view of the people. So that was kind of scary to be like that close. and. and mm -hmm. Um, you had the happy accident of Bruce breaking down, so they didn't see him right away. Um, and it's one of those movies where, you know, it doesn't take long to say, okay, these, these people know what they're doing. This right. is a believable cop. I'm, I'm in with this. And who's the bad guy in the beginning of the movie? It's really not uh, Bruce. It's the mayor and yes. these people who are indifferent to the lives of the uh, tourists who they want to keep coming. You know, it's... Uh, Oh, I was uh, so it, disturbed by that. Like, it went, yeah. went right over my head as a kid. But like, OK, yep. after the second fatal attack, when the kid is killed and they have the town meeting, they're like cracking jokes and stuff. Right. And I'm like, a kid is dead, guys. Yeah, and they're the like, kid just yeah. died. Yeah. 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 And, and they're, they're like, concerned about yeah. money. And, you know, it, it wasn't until the third attack when uh, Brody's kid almost died that, uh, you know, the mayor finally like, oh, OK, you know, we. Uh, need to do something um, because they thought the shark was a you know they caught some little tiger shark or whatever right yeah. it. right but um so he's the villain and you got hoopers like you know i can't argue with somebody who's signing up to be a hot lunch i mean it was right. literally that was the that phrase yeah. was the whole thing like you are just basically feeding this uh thing you're giving him you know food to eat uh so you know th 
there's something about a movie, and I've seen so many movies now, and I'm sure you guys are similar, is you're, you're 10, 15 minutes in, and you're like, oh, they got me. Or you're like, I don't know if I want to watch this mm-hmm. you know, anymore. Right. This. It's just, they're, the editing's bad. They're not really convincing me. The characters aren't really hitting me. Uh, they just, they, yeah, they didn't, they didn't click. And this movie clicks. This, this movie, you know, from and, the opening scene with the right. girl going out and the kid can't keep up with her because he's yeah. drunk and out tired. And you're just like, oh, wow. And the cast, we, we kind of mentioned the uh, cast a little bit. What a great cast. You got Roy Scheider. Robert Shaw as Quint is one of the great movie characters ever. You got Richard Dreyfuss as Hooper, a, another young guy, you know, just getting started in his career. And they were like all brilliant. The characters were brilliant. The casting was brilliant. And so it really made this film. It really was fantastic. You, like you said, they were meaty, meaty characters. They were just the perfect description, a character you could sink your teeth into. And, uh, (laughs) uh, but it was, but it was great. Like you have the reluctant hero who is literally out of his element in Brody, who just literally hates the water. And he's the police chief in an Island village, you know, yeah, (laughs) he tells so what does he tell Hooper? You know, he's like, so you're uh, a guy who's afraid of the water living on an island. He goes, well, it's only an island if you're looking at it from from the, the water. water, from the water. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's what? right. What? <laughs> yeah, well, when you when you're standing I mean, on the shore, like, you're like you're like you're, you're sitting here thinking about it, like, what does that mean? Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. And Hooper was a scientist. But not the crazy enviro animal rights activist kind of scientist we'd get today. He was, but he was, no. he was also wasn't a, you know, kill all the animals either. He was just straight up a scientist interested in the science. He recognized the animal for being the dangerous creature it is that needs to be respected, uh, that doesn't belong in this environment. But yet, you know, the, he, it's, uh, he's, you know, he needs to study it and, and understand it. I mean, so I really love that character. And then of course you get Quint, the, the crazy old sage, the the man of of wisdom with a hatred of his enemy, you know that uh, that a, a a passionate hatred who that that yeah. makes him born unreasonable. of a true story, born of a, the true story of the Indianapolis, right? Yeah, uh, you know, very much an Ahab character. Yes, yeah, he is Ahab. Uh, and then you got the yeah. corrupt politician who puts money and votes ahead of safety, that sort of thing, which is a a bit of a trope, but the, you know, so it's really. You, this great cast of characters and then you have this plot of the unseen threat and the primal fear you know that that whole idea of that that very primal understanding of like it's it's essentially this island is a base under siege you know if you think about it uh of a of a of a monster now i'm not a horror movie fan i don't generally like horror movies but there are certain movies like this that i enjoy this one an alien, which, by the way, when it came out, was advertised as Jaws in Space. They have th- oh. those two movies have a lot in common as well. And part of it is, is because it's not there's a there's a real story there. It's not just gore and destruction for the sake of it. So I, I've been going on. What do you guys think of, of, of that so far? I, I you know, it's funny because I don't know these actors for anything else. I mean, OK, I mean, Shaw died three years after the movie was released. So, I mean, he still did a lot of stuff, but I, I really don't know him. I think Richard Dreyfuss is the only one, really. I mean, yeah, Roy Scheider was in different things. Sequest. Yeah, he was in some different stuff. But I mean, when I see him, uh, I, I think of Jaws. Uh, Richard Dreyfus, I have to see him young. I see him young and I think of Jaws, but there were so many other great things he's been in since then. So oh, yeah. Is the one guy who kind of went on to do so much that that wasn't his in one and done. But um, just uh, even even the guy who played, uh, you know, what was his name? Uh, uh, Hendley? No, Hendrix. The, 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 the deputy. Oh, yeah. You know, with, you know, like, go out and paint signs. Like, go, go, you know, he's like, he's banging on the door. Like, talk to these people, your people, they're going in the water, you know, just right. his kind of bungling, you know, stuff every, every little bit. Um, you know, I liked the, uh, the, the little kid thing in the muffin man, the guy that comes up to him and is like, you know, he's trying to watch the sharks and he's like, listen, there's been coming over to my house and the kids are breaking them. You know, <laughs> you just got to come out and you put an ordinance there. And he's like, well, you get out of my way. I'm trying to save lives. Well, I gotta uh, say those yeah. scenes felt very authentic. Like the people, yeah, it was yes. like, this was a documentary. Yeah. Yes, it had a real documentary kind of feel to it. I don't know if that's what he was going for. I know Lucas would uh, shoot that way. Maybe that's what Spielberg was doing for this too. Right. And Spiel in a lot of his movies, especially his earlier movies, I think Spielberg does a lot of like the people talking over each other. Yes, where there's a lot of like like very realistic conversations. 
you know, where it's like right. the, the 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 dialogue is crossing over and like, like it, in the, yeah, uh, like when the town meeting, the, the, yeah, she's thinking the same thing. Yeah. She's like, I don't think that's funny at all. I don't think that's funny. Yeah. You know, the, the one lady, the, yeah. like the Karen in the room or whatever. Right. Whoever she was. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing is we don't get everybody explained. We have we, we see these people. We, we maybe can catch, you know, some from context who they might be within the community, but we don't get it explained. They don't have to tell us this is Joe, the shopkeeper. This is Annie, <laughs> the teacher. Like, no, like the, we just we just go with it. We don't explain everything. And I, I really they can, it respects the viewer in that sense as well. So. We we talked about uh, how it starts. It starts with the young woman dying, and and frankly, this that is you know it's so scary because it and it's it's a classic horror movie trope where you have the um, the young person who's uh, maybe perhaps what we would consider of loose morals. They were you know drinking on the beach, maybe you know fooling around. She's going skinny dipping, and that's classically. What how you know in a horror movie the the monster goes after the kid the you know the kids doing the breaking the the rules first. Yeah, watch Scream if you want to know the rules. <laughs> he, he, they're all laid out in the movie Scream right. horror movie rules. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, so the, so then we have that that really scary moment where she's you know in the water and it's like dragging her back and forth and you can't see it but she's dying and this is the first thing viewers are seeing when they're sitting in the theater. Can you imagine what it was like to be sitting in the theater for the first time that opening night seeing this, it would have been horrifying. And the first few moments with the music, you know, it's, it's, she's just, she jerks. Yeah. Like something, something bumped into her. Like, ow. yeah. yeah. Like, what was that? You know? And then another jerk. And all of a sudden she's grabbed and, and they explain that the, she's like, they had these poles uh, connected to some sort of like girdle thing around her waist. And they're just pulling her back and forth right. under the water, yeah. you know, and you can't see that. And uh, uh, it's, you know, she grabs the the bell and it's ringing and stuff. And it's all just so dark. And they had a really interesting effect going on with the, the moonlight on the water and yep. what you could and couldn't see. And there was no sign of the shark at all. I mean, like other than her. Right. Reaction. No fin. No. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. no yeah. There was just her. It made it really scary. It, yeah, there's yeah. definitely. And then the shark is almost less of an animal in this movie and more of like a mythic force, like Like, a force of nature, even. Yeah. Unstoppable. Like, especially later in the movie where the shark essentially develops superpowers. But like, like, it's really this kind of elemental, unstoppable force. Like, as I was I was watching the movie again today before we recorded, I was like, I it never hit me as a kid watching this movie like. I'm less afraid of the shark and more afraid of this kind of like amorphous, like, you know, the the kind of fear that the shark represents and less of the shark itself. That's a good point. Once you could see the shark at the end, all those scenes where it was up above water, it was less scary to me. Yes. Than when when it was you know, half seen or unseen and you only saw its effects. Uh, I mean, when I was a kid, it was that was pretty scary i guess but as an adult watching it like it was almost i mean i look at it now compared to say what what they can do within movies even with practical effects like with jurassic park a lot of those were practical effects the the so it looks i mean for the time it was amazing but it does look kind of a little bit cheesy but nevertheless the fact is it was scarier when you couldn't see it and that's that really is a is a key element I think there, there there was the the payoff of, you know, the the when Quint was eaten, you know, like right, okay, yes. now we see the shark and oh, my gosh, that's what it does. Yeah, I think the first time anyone sees that, especially the terror of him slowly sliding down was scary enough. Like like what was yeah. happening was scary. Right. Yeah. The, the shark kind of lost some of his mysteriousness, but he still it was horrible. Um, and, and, you know, so that that worked. Right. Uh, right. Really well as a, as a payoff at the end. Especially since we just got, saw Quint describing what it was, you know, like being in the, you know, in in the uh, Pacific with the Indianapolis going down and the guy getting bit in half and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's it was a brilliant way of setting us up because as he's describing that, it's clear we're going to get to see all that pretty darn soon. Yeah, and that was another great way of of telling us about what's happening without having to show the shark. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's the best scene in the movie, in my yes. opinion, is 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 the Indianapolis scene. Yes, I thought it was insanely effective, just like the him describing that, you know, like I found my buddy reached over to wake him up, 
He'd been bitten in half below the waist. And I'm <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm like, this him describing that is terrifying. Yeah. Like even no matter how many times I've seen the movies, I, I still get chills listening to that. It's so well delivered. Like that that whole scene is so amazing it's captivating it draws you in like 700 men went into the water 316 came out you know and it's and and knowing that it's a real story too like that that actually all is all of that is true what happened uh makes it even more terrifying so i wanted to talk a little bit about back in the beginning after after the uh before the kid, the boy has been attacked, but after the girl is is dead, and the uh, the the local doctor who acts as the coroner has been kind of bullied into saying it was a motorboat accident. You got Brody sitting there on the beach, and you, there's this tension. Everybody, like you could see, you could feel it. Everything is a target. Everybody is a potential target. Uh, and he he sees people thrashing in the water. And he looks over. Is is that a shark attack? No, no. It's just them playing. And and it's this whole like very tense moment. Every moment you're waiting for someone to get attacked until it's until the you have this horrifying scene of a little boy getting attacked, and that was awful. What's that? Do you know the name of that uh, that? Zoom in, zoom out effect. That, oh, that, uh, that was Hitchcock effect. Yeah, it's, is that okay? So it's an yeah. older effect. Okay. Yeah, Hitchcock I, came up with that one, where it's it's a uh, what do they call it? Uh, it's not tracking, but it's um, tracking is when it goes left to right. But uh, it's a it's a something zoom, you know. So crash it's a, zoom. Yeah, it, yeah. So well, everything looks like it's getting further away, but you're getting closer to Brody. Right. And they use that the moment he saw the shark. I mean, that was like and and you know? right, right. As they, yeah. it's either as they're pulling the camera physically back, they they zoom in so that the 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 zoom stay like the focal length stays the same, but the depth of field changes. I think that's what how it's done, or it's pushed yeah. in. I forget which direction it is. Uh, but yes, that's that's it's a Hitchcock effect. Okay, so that was that was like that, yeah. that, that moment. I can still I can see it happening, and I can feel it in my gut. Um, and you're right. There are building attention. And it's really probably an homage to Hitchcock, really, because that's the classic tension of the drive to the hotel before the shower scene was just right. Un- like amazing tension that he built up. So he was doing the same kind of thing with building the tension. Right. And and then when the, after the boy gets killed, you have this this we switch like the town father switch. We go from denial to it's a free for all. We've got to have, we've got to get this shark and we put a bounty on it and, you know, we've got to deal with it and we get everybody out there. Um, Dynamite. Yeah, we have that. Well, we have that. Well, first we have that selectman's meeting where we have Quint shows up. His first appearance in the film is him dragging his nails on the chalkboard, you know, (laughs) to get the attention. I mean, just classic. And he, you all know me, you know what I do for a living, you know, just a crusty New England fisherman. Uh, really, but he great. wants more than the bounty. I don't know what the original bounty was, but two thousand, I think it was, or three thousand. He's yeah, like, 3, he wanted ten, ten thousand. I'll give you the, you know, the whole darn fish, whatever. You yeah, know, the head, the tail, the whole thing. Well, he wanted the that, head and the tail. Yeah, <laughs> he. And there's a little short guy that 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 has fish with him that walks in. You never see him again. I don't think. Yeah, it's just like his buddy. But that's the, yeah, he's another. I think you see him in one other scene, Dude, yeah. like when when they're loading the orca. Oh, maybe. Okay. Yeah, he's like Quinn's he, sidekick, like, but he has no. He doesn't dialogue. come along though. He no. He <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's so easy. He's, he's the he's smart, smart one, one of all yeah. of them. <laughs> that guy didn't get to become an old fisherman by by accident. <laughs> by going hunting sharks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and after this, Brody becomes obsessed with sharks, reading every book he can. And if you notice, as you look to the books, you start to see things that will come out later in the movie, like including. Yes. This, the picture of the shark with the scuba tank in its mouth. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, like, and also the, the shark putting a hole in the side of a boat, just mm-hmm. like. Yes. Uh, what's his name? Boat that they'll find Brendan, later. Brandon. 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 Um, yes. The, yeah. I've, there, Brandon. There's the big C. Ben Gardner. Ben, ben Gardner. Gardner. Yes. Ben yeah. Gardner's boat. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, he, he he's getting ahead in the world, and uh, so <laughs> sorry. Uh, so another great jump scare, by the yes. way. Is, oh, that's that one the, was that's the jump scare. That's of the, the movie. jump scare of the that movie. Terrified me. me as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah terrified me as an adult. I, I jumped out of my skin when I saw. I had forgotten about that. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I was like, something comes out, doesn't it? Ah, <laughs> ben, ben Gardner's head. <laughs> they, they, they do a similar jump scare in 3D, but it's not as effective. No. Where it's like no. where it's a severed head floating in a 
in a in an aquarium and it's not oh, oh yeah I, th- I remember how bad that looked oh it was awful was the was the jaws 3d the one with samuel l jackson or was that a different one it was a different i, I think no, it's a Jack, different shark jackson movie. was in uh that other shark movie um yeah i, I can't remember what it's called either but yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't that bad but yeah. it was definitely the typical horror we're just gonna watch people go jackson lots goes lots early of, i mean yeah. the, the jackson's death in that movie was like whoa you know yeah it's kind of like Bar- Barrymore's death and scream like you didn't expect early, that, that early. Such a star that yeah. early exactly yeah so then you guys uh, alluded to the crazy fisherman scrum on the docks and in the water and guys throwing dynamite next to other boats and chumming all over the place and like, the one guy's like chumming what's chumming like they don't <laughs> even know what they're doing like, yeah and he goes, so, so, sir, the officer told me to inform you that you have too many people in your boat. And they're like, you know, what are you? you know, and he's like, they're all going to die. They're all going <laughs> to die. Yeah. That was uh, Hooper who shows up. Hooper, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then we have this like with this crazy circus like atmosphere all comes to a pause as Mrs. Kintner, the boy's mother, who just the boy who just died, shows up in the full, you know, widow, widow regalia, the black with the veil. And she blames Brody. You knew about this. You, this girl had been killed and you did nothing. You didn't stop anything. And of course we know it's not Brody's fault. It's Vaughn, the mayor, his fault. Uh, but Brody doesn't, doesn't deflect. Doesn't, you know, she, she slaps him one. Good dude. That, that, yeah. That, and those are real slaps. They were, he got like about 17. Oh, wow. Slaps from that actress. I, and oh, wow. uh, one of them, she said one of them knocked his glasses off because she didn't know how to fake slap. So she, he's like, I'll just do it. <laughs> so those wow. are real slaps wow. that Schreider had to go. Through. I I had I felt and that, that was a great scene. Yeah, that was a great scene. That was that was awesome. Then we have the the fake out, which every every classic horror movie has to have, where we think that we've got the the bad guy, but of course there's still another hour of movie to go, so we know he didn't. Uh, <laughs> in this case, it's a shark, a tiger shark, and Hooper is the expert who's in the middle of everything. Everyone else is celebrating and he's like at the uh, tape measure like, nope, <laughs> nope. nope. Uh, the bite radius is not the same. Yeah. Uh, of course. The, the bright what? Yeah. One of my favorite moments though is when they're doing the ne- necropsy and he pulls the Louisiana license plate Plates. out. That Give was a car, did he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, at least we know he came up from the Gulf waters. How do you know? And he throws the plate. I mean, that was fantastic. Yeah. I love that. That's such a great, little addition to the story like it's just really good so then they go out uh to and they find ben garda's boat uh and you have this interesting aspect of hooper that he's actually independently wealthy he finances his own research uh, which they, they just kind of throw in there and when hooper goes in the water at night in the dark i'm sitting there going who would be insane enough to do that like i just it's crazy he doesn't even explain what he's doing. He's just like, I've got to check something. Yeah. And right. Like, I, I gotta well, go he wants to find the, you know, he finds the tooth, you know, and I think that, I mean, Bradley said that he wouldn't have written the book, the author of the, of the original novel. Yeah. If he, eventually, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. I got this thing right in front of me. Eventually. <laughs> um, if he would have known that it really didn't accurately depict what real sharks are like. But I think that that was kind of the point in the movie. Like, Sharks aren't necessarily like this, especially when towards the end, which we, I know we haven't gotten to, well, be a little bit, but where they're like, have you ever seen a shark do this? And Hooper's like, no, this, <laughs> right. is, this is not your typical shark. Right. So, you know, there is an aspect of I should be able to swim down there and sharks usually don't bother you, you know, so right. it's not necessarily it's not until they realize that this shark is way different. That, that becomes super more shark. of an issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in, in the dinner scene between brody and hooper hooper kind of explains like yeah this is like very rare behavior sharks normally don't act this way they don't normally stick around in one place and pick off victims so like they they kind of hang a lantern on that in the movie that like yeah this is not normal behavior but i i don't think audiences took it that way because it was kind of a shark hysteria that yeah happened right. because of this movie people were like sharks were not a big thing unless you're from shark infested waters you know <laughs> where you lived near them but sharks were not part of the public consciousness back before this movie like they are today now, i mean now it's like you again we talk about a little bit of the cultural impact shark week you know that idea yes. of, like everybody's like is, is is about sharks shark nato you know all that sort of shark stuff uh and in fact 
this movie has been described as a double-edged sword for Shark Conservancy because on the one hand, it it got everybody thinking about sharks, but on the other hand, it gave people an unrealistic understanding of how dangerous sharks are. I mean, sharks are they're like bears. Like we're not right. we're not super scared of grizzly bears roaming into our you know campsites in New England. You know what I mean? But we but we're somehow we're scared of sharks showing up. Uh, you know, well. I actually have to amend that. Actually, sharks do show up on New England's uh, seashore <laughs> campground nowadays. Uh, we have shark uh, warnings these days, but back then they we didn't. Um, so well, that's just after COVID, everything started. <laughs> yeah, everything's gone haywire. <laughs> I mean, it, it's interesting because they did partially, ba- uh, you know, be- Benchley originally, and then when he when he wrote the novel and then co-wrote mm-hmm. the screenplay. It is at least partially based off the real spree of shark attacks off the Jersey coast in 1916, which may or may not have been the same shark, but four people died. I think a fifth was injured and it was all kind of blamed on the same shark. We we don't know if that's the case, but it's like, but shark attacks like that are so rare. I, I think that's the only one on record where it's like a serial Right. Attack. Yeah, because this this shark had wandered up up in an area. It was salt. It was still saltwater, right? But it was brackish. It was a, yeah. Yeah. Um, like this river kind of thing where it's you know it was just that never happens. They never go up there, and and people were doubting it could even been a shark in that huh. area. But yeah, like all those different people died. So often, uh, that's what's linked to the novel, right? That yeah. Eventually, kind of took that and said, "Oh, I can write a novel out of this." But interesting, changed a lot. So I want to talk a little bit about where it was filmed because this was filmed in my backyard, essentially at uh, Martha's Vineyard off of Ma- uh, Massachusetts. And in fact, I knew people who were in the scene of the ferry boats going, you know, coming to the vineyard, you know, for 4th of July. Uh, some of our neighbors were actually in that scene, which is kind of fun. And, uh, and I love the the energy that it imparts, like this whole, like you just these crowds of people coming in and it, again, it feels very like a documentary. It feels very, yeah just a slice of life so i mean i could just picture spielberg probably just saying okay everybody just you know film the film the ferry boats coming in just open the doors and just people walk off and you you know uh the the second unit catch people over there and the first unit will catch these people here and just do it like that i can i can imagine it, that's how it felt anyway yeah it, it's very eerie for me because okay i live on the north shore of long island which doesn't look too dissimilar from the kind of town that's portrayed in the movie. And we have that kind of summer rush where people come and go to the beach and, and the houses are very similar. And so it's like, it's very eerie. Like, you know, you think, wow, this could, it, 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 it's like something, it hits a little close to home. Like, Oh, this is something that could happen in a town near me. Right. Like, Amity could just as well have been on Long Island or yeah. you know the coast of Connecticut or anything like that, right? That's the the feel of it. Is it's very it it, it could be any of these places. Um, so they get they we have the Fourth of July at the beach, right? We have all these people at the beach, but nobody's going in the water, right? And you have the mayor goes up to this one town guy and says, "You got to go in the water. You go in the water with your kids." Or, or grandkids. I mean, they, was, they look like pretty young. Grandkids, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, you go in the water. <laughs> <laughs> does he have a suit on? I don't even remember. He does. Does he he suit. Suit. But I was I'd like, go in the water myself, but I got my suit. No but but I'm like, that. what do you care? Yeah. All the people are here. The beach is packed. They're spending money in the town. What does right. it matter if they go in the water? It's not like you charge them for going in the water. You're <laughs> right, not going to make right. any more money whether they go in the water or not. But he's all huffy. He's like, there's nobody in the water. I didn't get that. <laughs> I, I guess like if if people are afraid, they will, you know, they'll be here for Fourth of July, but they, but people won't come for later in the summer or something. Uh, I don't know. It was or the experience will be bad. He just yeah. That's kind of head my head cannon on it, but yeah, it was it was. But, but in any case, it just is like, would you want to be the first ones in the water? No. Oh man! And then and the guy I, takes his like grandkids in the water. It's just yeah, like, I'm like, geez, wow, that's just like. Here, kids, go play in the water. I'll stand back here and watch you splash around. Here, hold on to this hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, same I mean, scene is, and I just learned this before we started recording, 
is Peter Benchley's cameo. Yeah. He's the news guy. That's right. He's the the news reporter. I saw that too. That's <laughs> funny. Um, on the beach. And then, um, and Brody thinking that he's you're doing the right thing, sends his son to go sailing in the uh, pond, which is connected to the ocean by a, by a little uh, inlet. And that's where the shark goes. It's almost like the shark knows, you know, it, this is where it starts to get a little supernatural. Uh, uh, you know, the shark get, gets a little too intelligent or something, but oh, this which is, reaches its apogee in four when it when it actively targets the Brody family. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. The, the grandson of the original shark. shark and then yeah. uh, it, we get our first glimpse of the shark. We see the fins. And and uh, we see it's uh, the size of it. Um, oh, the, the the prank though. What's Remember that? the prank? The 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 kids who prank a shark attack right before. Oh, that. right, right. They almost get <laughs> shot by the coast guard people. <laughs> that was that was that was so funny. Like, what is wrong? And I love yeah, because they have like the boats and the guns, and they're all patrolling and everything, and right the whole thing. Yeah, and the little brother goes, "He made me do it." shivering yeah it was, it was so that was so real because that would have been me and my brother he would have made me do there, it <laughs> but there was no music you see that was the thing that was the thing there was no music and therefore no we knew it wasn't the shark well or was it but anyway <laughs> but yeah and and it's like you know someone says they something in the pond and and the father's not really paying attention and his, his wife goes uh to brody you know michael's in the pond Right, and then that builds the his run over there uh, to it, and uh, you have that poor guy who's also in the pond, right, just trying to be neighborly. Yes, trying you to have some trouble there. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Pulling the line. Oh <laughs> man, that poor guy. He got yeah, his, got his leg. His leg got off, and everything else. Um, so they uh, finally after the after that they decide, okay, we have to hire Quint. Like this, like no more messing around. Time to bring in the big guns. And uh, and so we have Quint, who we get this great scene in his fishing shack uh, versus uh, Hooper. And we have like modernity versus history. You know, we have the the old ways and the new ways together. And they have to kind of they, they butt heads. And they have to end up you know working together. And I, I really like that because Quint's way, if it was just Quint, it would have failed. If it was just Hooper. It would have failed. It needed all three of them to succeed. It wouldn't have worked without all three of them. Yeah, and uh, uh, Quint, uh, who's the actor? Uh, we just, Robert Shaw. Shaw. Shaw and um, Dreyfus. Dreyfus, thank you. I'm yep. pulling up my list here. Like, I can't remember Richard <laughs> Dreyfus's name. Thank you. They didn't like each other. They used to say that um, Shaw was a wonderful guy unless he was drunk. And he was drunk a lot on set and he was a real jerk. And so him and um, Cooper would not get along in real life. Uh, Dreyfus, they they would fight, so that worked for their chemistry. Yeah, off the on the set, um, right from the very beginning when he has him tie some sort of knot. And the sheep like, shank, you know, you, yeah, yeah, the sheep shank. There you go. And he looks at his hands, and you these are these are hands that cost money your whole life. City hands. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't need this macho crap. This woman's gonna be like on the boat, you know. Uh, so every everything about their relationship is awesome, you know, from him driving the boat, and you know, you don't take this kind of abuse, you know. And, Everything is, is is great. So those three together, yep, it's like perfect. Like stick them on a, an, an even worse island, this boat, and uh, that they're trapped on because Quint doesn't want any help. Well, that's it's, the other thing is magic. Yeah, Quint ends up segregating them from help. He destroys the uh, the radio so that they can't they can't get help. There's no going back, and it's reminiscent of if I go in the water, I'm not taking a life vest like this. It's he he doesn't. It's it's either kill the shark or get killed by the shark, and he doesn't care if he takes Hooper and Brody with him. I mean, he is he is he's going out and not coming back if he can't bring the shark back. Right. So I thought it was interesting. By the way, speaking of Dreyfus, that Spielberg initially had everybody, but. The but the Richard Dreyfus on his list for playing Hooper. You had John Voight, Timothy Bottoms, so I don't know. Jan Michael Vincent, which is a name from the, the blast from the past. <laughs> Kevin Klein, who would have been Jan Michael Vincent been in a helicopter? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh Joel Gray, Jeff Bridges, even. Uh, but it was oh. it was George Lucas who suggested Dreyfus because he'd been in American Graffiti. Right. Oh yeah. So um 
Yeah, that just that was an interesting the possibilities when you think of who else could have been in. Like, I think perhaps the most successful one, if it wasn't Dreyfus, might have been Kevin Klein because he's got a bit of that. I don't know, wise ass sort of thing going on. You know that that it would have been interesting to see a young Kevin Klein and how he would have pulled that off. Yeah, Dreyfus was Dreyfus was obviously the perfect an excellent choice. choice. Yeah, and yeah, he 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 was awesome uh, out there. Yeah, every little thing he did, that the crushing of the styrofoam cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was great. So Quint was offered to Lee Marvin, which would have been interesting. Lee Marvin could have pulled it off, I think. Uh, that Who's Lee Marvin? I, I, oh, I remember gosh. his name. No, no, um, who's he in? What's he in? Lee Marvin did a, a bunch of, like, cowboy movies. Um I'm trying to think of he was in the I think he was in the Sting was he? Um, he was okay. the well, Dirty another, Dozen. Another kind of tough guy that would have would yeah. have worked for that. Yeah, yeah okay. he did. He was in a lot of uh, World World War Two movies. So it was in the Dirty Dozen, the Big Red One, oh, okay. uh, uh, that sort of thing. So villains, soldiers, hard boiled characters, as uh, uh, yeah. Wikipedia says. So um, <laughs> in any case, so we're on the Orca, like you said, an island off the island. So the island is even smaller now. And uh, they're they're fishing with the line, and we get that peppy like we're fishing music. We're on a we're out for a, a joyride, sort of do 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 do. And that it, was so weird. Yes, I, I love it because it would end with like the the down note. It would be like a a a, a, a more ominous notes as the song would end because you get reminded it's not just a sunny day on the water. It's we're we're out here after this this creature. And uh, so then we we get that one moment, like we mentioned before, where Brody is ch- uh, angry chumming <laughs> and uh, aggressive tr- chumming and the shark comes out of the water for the first time. We see the shark full on f- the whole face for the first time. And it's again in 1975 or when I was a kid in 1980, even it was terrifying. You know, that yeah. that mouth, that gaping maw uh and it looked it looked real i mean it was you know i know in person it wasn't all that scary i I guess what they were talking about it was they were afraid it wouldn't be scary enough on on screen but in the film it was plenty scary yeah i'm looking at it you were looking at his face right now and uh that's scary that's not the same coming out of the water that we're looking at but still yeah and it, it was a shock value i mean you know, a dolphin could have came out and it would have scared me. <laughs> I didn't expect anything, you know, so <laughs> anything would have scared you. But the fact that he just like all of a sudden popped out and you hadn't seen him yet. Right. Um, you know, there was another another great jump scare that they did. And that's that's the, that leads to the famous backing into the cabin and saying, you got to need a bigger a boat, your bigger <laughs> boat. And, and that was a, that was improv. That was yeah. uh, not scripted. A great line. Yeah. A great line. Great, all the great lines are, are improv. We, have we done the show on that? A great improv lines yet? No, we probably should yeah. do a, an yeah, episode on that. Really do. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to come up with a list. No, I actually read a funny story about the animatronic. I think it was in uh-huh. a, a biography of, of George Lucas, where Spielberg invited Lucas to take a look at Bruce. Yeah. When he was all finished. And he 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 tells George, hey, like, go into the mouth and like, look around. And then he has the mouth kind of close a little bit on <laughs> Lucas when he goes in. But then yeah. George Lucas actually got stuck and they had to like the, the mechanism for opening the mouth didn't work right. And so they had to like pry <laughs> George Lucas out of the animatronic. That's funny. <laughs> I, I heard that. they And then they like kind of slinked away like like, OK, I think we just broke something. We got to get out of here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, and one of the things that that is kind of terrifying about this is this is not a, an unrealistic shark size. Like there are great oh. white sharks out there that are 20 feet, usually off of the coast, of the southern coast of South Africa, which I'm never going to go there because that's <laughs> terrifying. Uh, and even there's been talk of sharks up to 30 feet long, uh, which is incredible to think about. So. That's one of the things like when they, when you learn that, like at the time you're in the theater, you don't know this. But afterwards you learn, oh, no, that could possibly <laughs> that could happen. What? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, we have we mentioned the the scene when they're uh, at night under uh, under the deck. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, in the cabin and uh, we have them sit, drinking and singing farewell and adieu to you, fair Spanish ladies. And they're then, comparing scars. Yeah. Comparing scars. We have uh, show me the way to go home that they sing. And that's when the shark comes and starts 
bashing the boat. Uh, by the way, shoot the after after the Indianapolis story. Right after the Indianapolis story. By the way, did you notice the shooting star that shoots across the screen behind? Yes. Uh, yes. Real that, shooting star. That was a real shooting star. Yeah. They just they happened to catch it on one take. And kept it in, of course. That's so uh, cool. Yeah. I mean, you'd, if you'd seen that in a movie made in 2022, you'd think, oh, that's just a CGI thing, you know. But these old movies, they didn't, you know, they didn't do that. It, it, it was a real thing. So it was, I thought that was really cool. Now, had they shot him any buoys in him yet at this point? Didn't they have a couple? Uh, it had one in it. Um, and that was another great way of tracking the shark without having to show him. You yes. see these buoys. And not only is it kind of scary because you know where he is, but he shouldn't be able to do what he's doing. He's, right. he's submerging with three buoys, which right. talks to his strength and his power, you know, super and, powers. and this is where it slowly super becomes powers, yeah. super power, super shark. <laughs> and it slowly becomes real that like, who's being hunted here, him or us? He yes. toys with them. Yeah. Right. He toys with them, which is, which I found super, very effective. They start running from him. They're, they're, <laughs> they're running for the shore. Uh, well, although, you know, they 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 frame it as we'll draw him into the shallows. Oh, they just draw him in and drowned him. Yeah, yeah. except uh, he was killing people at the beach. Like, how <laughs> shallow do you think you're gonna get him? Uh, yeah. I think I think your boat probably draws more draft than the shark does. Uh, but they but Hooper, I like this thing. Like Hooper keeps telling Brody, not Brody, uh, Quint. You know, you stop pushing the engine so hard. You're gonna burn it out. And so, what does he do? He pushes it harder. Like, oh yeah, I'll show you. And he, he puts the throttle up higher and ends up killing the engine. And so they're yeah. now they're just floating out there, no radio, no engine, sinking. And so, what do they do? Hooper goes into the shark cage, of course. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was like. And then you you get that scene of the shark bashing the cage. They used actual footage of yes. a shark getting caught in a, a shark cage yes. that they had on yeah on top of the cage, right? Yeah, it was pulling the pulling the boat down, um, and then you see you know, Brody. I mean, uh, Hooper abandons the cage, but they think he's dead. Um, and then then we get that scene of the shark just coming up and ripping the tail off of the of the boat, <laughs> just rips off the fan tail. The, the the whole stern of the boat goes in the water, and this is when. Quint uh, becomes uh, shark food, and uh, it, but like I said before, it seemed less scary when you could see the whole thing. Like you know, Quint getting chomped was bad enough, but um, the, the- it is surprising to me that this movie is PG. Like I know they didn't have PG thirteen yet, yeah. But I'm shocked it wasn't an R when it was released. When when the kid gets killed, there's a fountain of blood, right? That right, happened. and and you see the corpse of the woman, and I'm. I'm thinking. I'm like, this was this was PG. I'm and the like, leg, okay, like the leg might yeah, have been the like leg floating down, yeah. um, which was very realistic. I mean, all of it was was really realistic, and the autopsy of the woman, you know, which yeah. is like there was like just a little pile of her left. It's like this wasn't a boating accident. They were yeah, well. That's pretty surprising. They didn't show anything from the autopsy, but they described yeah. it for sure. Described it. That's true. That's yeah. true. You saw. Her. I think. I think the biggest thing is Quint being basically. You know, hanging out with his arms and legs and being lowered into the water was probably the worst. Yeah, like, yeah. Visual for uh, our rating. Yeah, he vomits blood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then we have uh, Brody. Like we we see that the the air tanks a few times on the boat. You know, and they we get told, oh, watch those tanks that can explode and blow us out of the water. So we get a lot of foreshadowing on those. And that's finally when Brody gets the idea to throw the tank into its mouth. And because, as I mentioned. I think because he saw it in one of the books, right? That this gets the idea yes, from the books, yeah. and uh, it doesn't swallow it. With thankfully, it just sticks it in the He's corner of his mouth. Chewing on it like a cigar. Yeah, like, <laughs> with a cigar in its mouth, uh, a blow up cigar, and yeah. uh, he gets up there with the rifle as the. And that's the thing is, it's coming straight at him, and it's got its mouth out of the water for whatever reason. And <laughs> as the as the mast is heading toward the water, like if this doesn't work. He's toast. Like this is not. This is it. This yeah. is the last. The mass chance. is slowly sinking, and yes. he's going in. Yeah, and he's just shooting and shooting and shooting, and finally, boom! Blows it to kingdom come, like that whale on the beach. Remember that the, the old news story from the uh, early eighties of this town that had a dead whale on its beach that was rotting away, and they didn't know what to do with it, and and so they ended Sounds up familiar. They decide that yeah. they're going to blow it up into bits just to, so the seagulls could take it away. And so you have this news crew. This actually happened. You have this news crews there, news crew, and they're like, "Okay, and here we go." And the people are like, "All right, everybody can move back to a safe distance." 
and then boom, it's like a, a volcano of <laughs> of oh. whale parts fly through the air, chunks the size of your head and your torso landing everywhere. People are screaming, the cats and dogs living in sin. I mean, the car is being destroyed by bits of whale. I mean, it was... It, it, this video is on YouTube. You can actually find it if you if you really I like. Think it. I, did, oh, wow. I yeah. did. I did. It reminds me, but I, I think you should have narrated it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was really it was, cats and dogs <laughs> living together. It was it mass was, hysteria. Mass hysteria. Uh, the uh, but so the, uh, the this kind of reminded me of the, the shark blowing up. Uh, that was a really good, it was a really good explosion. And they had now. You'll have to remind me the sound effect. But he's lowering into the water, and there's yeah. kind of a roar from Spielberg's truck movie that where there was this truck that Duel. was yeah was it that was called Duel? Duel, yeah there was there was a semi that was after this this guy yeah and when yeah. it when it exploded finally there was a sound effect of like kind of going to its explosive doom and he used that as oh, an homage funny. to his other film uh, okay. i think it was a spielberg film he could have also been paying homage to some other you know director because he was only 28 how other many movies that he had done but um, yeah uh, there you can look it up it's and it's in there as it's sinking and uh, floating down, and, and there's this odd noise that sounds like metal, and that's from that other huh. movie. Oh, the thing funny. that's concerned me is as we get to now the end, and Brody, who can't swim, uh, is floating on a couple of part of the boat, and um, Hooper shows up, and they're there, and he's uh, and they start moving. Around. I'm like, you know, how how digested could Quint be? <laughs> I, I would be worried about running into Quint, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. You know, did, did he get swallowed or? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, if he, I mean, he's he's somewhere out there. I don't just, know. Just that don't kind of freak me out a little bit. I mean, the water's full of bloody shark to begin with. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. just be careful. And there. the seagulls are seagulls are all like, woo. You know, they're all <laughs> taking their part in it. Yeah. I was thinking, like, great, attract more sharks <laughs> right. with all the blood in the water. Well, we've had one great white and a tiger shark. When there's two sharks, there's probably more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, well, yeah. So that's that's uh, Jaws too, I guess. So um, <laughs> we talked a little bit about the cultural impact of the movie. We should maybe talk a little bit about the film impact of the movie on other films. I mean, this essentially created the summer blockbuster. Before this, you know, big movies came out at Christmas time, you know, around the holidays. Uh, but this created the summer blockbuster. This was before Star Wars. You know, this is 75. And uh, it also created the national opening. You know, in the, in the before this movies came out in theaters, you know, regionally. And th this was the first movie where they had a big national uh, opening all you know, thousands of theaters. They had a big TV marketing campaign, and so it really changed the movie industry in many ways from this. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I, I too young to obviously know. It would be interesting for somebody who was a movie buff in the fifties and sixties and experienced, you know, if they're old enough uh, to to experience this. Of course, we should have thought about that thirty years ago to talk to somebody who'd be still alive to tell us what it <laughs> right. was like. But I mean, you had Hitchcock, you had certain, you know, certain movies, but I mean, popcorn movie comes to mind, just the, the sheer power of an entertainment film that, that, that comes out that is a perfect mix of, of quality and fun. I mean, it's not like a B movie, but it's also not some, you know, complicated thriller that you have to watch several times to figure out what was really going on. Right. Uh, it's just, it's just fun. It's just really entertaining. And and really, it was Spielberg. I mean, Spielberg is among, you know, how many directors would you put up in his stratosphere as right. far as yeah. influence and people that want to be like him and how movies are made and everything? There's there's I mean, a maybe a couple other ones. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, Hitchcock and a couple others. But Kurosawa. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He's just he's just huge as yeah. far as how he's influenced how movies are made. And, you know, what what is a summer blockbuster? What is a popcorn movie? If you don't have Spielberg, right, right. Another way that it, you know it's it's the impact. Uh, I was just thinking. I was talking to my brother-in-law. I was telling him about we were doing this, and uh, he, he said that uh, he lives in Austin. Uh, my mother-in-law was telling me about this, and he um, the Alamo Draft House is their is their fun movie theater. There, they do all kinds of fun stuff. They have an uh, a, an annual. I think it's an annual. They had a or maybe it was an anniversary showing of Jaws, but it was at the lake. And everyone watched it while sitting in inner tubes in the water oh, at night. Seriously? <laughs> at night. 
No way. I would not. I seriously just would not do that. Uh, I would. I would. I would need so much Xanax to get through it. Well, then they, I heard. I don't know if this was true that they had divers who <laughs> could oh, come, oh, come on and grab oh. an ankle. Oh, oh, oh that's wrong. Oh. This, this is the, so this, wrong. But this is a freshwater lake, right? Yes, yes, it's in okay, the middle of Texas, it. but still. Okay, but still. It doesn't the ocean. It doesn't, I could be in a swimming pool and it would bother me. But in a lake? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that is that is like thrill-seeking. That's like, I'll, I'll go skydiving or bungee jumping or something. But yep. <laughs> watching Jaws in an inner tube at night is just a little bit too far. Yes, that, that's a little too much for me. Um, the uh, Martha's Vineyard had a, 20, a 30th anniversary film, Jaws Fest, uh, in 2005 i'm hoping that they plan to do one for the 50th in in a that couple of years that would be that would be awesome um that would be yeah that would be really cool um trying to think of other things like so many movies that kind of play off of it everything is a jaws ripoff or uh you know so many scary animal movies piranha 3d right. there's plenty Honda. of really simple yeah. uh music tones there's the to the give you the sense that you know just a a, a deep one note thing to g- right. give you the the sense that there's a creature or something coming at you uh that that kind of influence it it totally launched uh John Williams career oh yeah uh, before yeah. that his claim to fame was was doing a theme to Gilligan's Island which really wasn't a big thing <laughs> yeah. i mean this was and 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 he did every spielberg movie after that, I yes. mean, him and Spielberg were joined at the hip, and he would have been crazy not to use him for everything. Yeah, I, I would guess if 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 you found another another like tone or sound effect or something that's similar, it would be the the thump in Jurassic Park, like mm-hmm. oh, when you, you hear go. the yeah. boom, boom, and then you wait, boom. You know that that had a similar effect as this, this music, the tones. So uh, it wasn't music, of course, but it was similar. Oh yeah, definitely. And you had the, and, and had the ripple of the water glass inside the Jeep. Right. Which yes. kind of reminds you of Jaws a little bit. Right. <laughs> right. There. Yeah. Anything left to say about Jaws? Yes. Anything we didn't, we didn't talk about yet that uh, you want to bring up. Oh, just that. Um, I do remember reading that even though this movie pioneered, a lot of you know techniques and and ways of filming that are still used and really elevated the creature feature from kind of you know B movie status to like oh you can actually make a real film right like a creature feature. I did read though that it, the film owes a lot to Creature from the Black Lagoon. Sure, Jaws does. And having I would say that having yeah. recently seen Creature from the Black Lagoon for the first time, I noticed it. the 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 underwater shot of the girl swimming. Yeah. The camera going through the seaweed the uh the the um there's like a scene where like the the boat like goes through the mist you know like and that there's that there's a few people on a boat hunting for an underwater monster right like there's there's was very clearly like a lot of influences and homage to creature from the black lagoon in jaws so yeah i I thought that's an interesting pedigree that's true that's a good point I think we covered. Uh, I think we covered it pretty well. Uh, when yep. I'm trying to think, I don't think we missed any like huge, significant parts of it. Uh, it was. Um, I would strongly encourage people who uh, are Jaws fans, if you haven't already, to to check out some of the stuff that you can find on the making of it and how right. interesting it was. And a lot of the, you know, uh, they, they may exaggerate it. Almost didn't get made, and the, 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 those kind of things that they always, you know, do to uh, when they talk about uh, films, but it's uh, it's the way he stumbled upon different techniques of how to do this uh, out of necessity that end up being just mainstays in in the film community of how how we mm-hmm. do things you know like you said not showing the monster real fast and how we do the music and everything is uh it was it was pretty cool yep very good very good Awesome. So uh, let's wrap things up there. We want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and TV shows, including Kevin B., Joseph D., Jeffrey B., Ben and Autumn B., and Catherine M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. 
So what did you think of Jaws? You can let us know by commenting on the show uh, at sqpn.com slash secrets. What's that? Or the StarQuest Facebook page. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. Or send an email to secrets at sqpn.com or visit the new StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. Until next time, Mike Denz, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Jaws. And feel free to listen to this podcast while in an inner tube on a freshwater lake. <laughs> yes, do that. Thomas Salerno, thank you as well. Dom, Mike, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the quint line. I, 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 I had to parody the quint line. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. And remember, I think we're going to need a bigger boat. Is it safe to go back in the water?